Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And welcome in to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's Jesse Temple. Well, the Badgers took care of business against Rutgers on Sunday, beating them 79-71. to And as Wisconsin improved to 17-10 and on the year, 10-6 and in Big Ten play. They're at 10 wins in Big Ten play for a 17th time in the last 19 years. That's the most of any school in the conference. And uh, feeling good about themselves. Four straight wins. Yeah, this team, is. it looks like things are starting to come together. They figured out the rotations. They're getting contributions everywhere. They're getting three, four guys in double figures. And it helps when you've got Michael Potter stepping back and burying threes. It does. He was four for five from three. And he may not get to the attempts, needed attempts, minimum necessary attempts to actually count this as anything. But he's on pace to become the first rotation player in Wisconsin history to be in the 50-40-90 club. He's shooting 52% from, from the field, he's shooting 46% from three, and he's shooting 93% from the line. And he's the only, the only minimum he's reached so far is the field goals. You have, to be at least, you have to shoot at least 100 times. I don't know if he's going to get to the other minimums, but he would be the first player in Wisconsin history to do it if he does. So you're saying he might have been able to help this team out in the first 10 games just of the season? Just a little bit, just a little bit. No, the funny thing is, three other guys have done it, but they're all like walk-on slash... Uh, bench players who, you know, obviously, can, do, do you want to even try and name those guys? What years did they uh, play? 1996. I would have no Ni- 1997. Dwayne Dwayne played two games. <laughs> played in two games, and uh, he, he did that. The other two were during the time that you've covered the team. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I honestly have no idea. I don't even know what clue you would give. Um... Said he was going to be president someday. Bohannon? Zach Bohannon. Okay. Uh, and the other guy is a, a last name that always got mispronounced. I don't know. He was a walk-on. He's from Wisconsin. Uh, I can't say Evan Anderson. That's an easy name to pronounce. Aaron? Mesh. Mesh. Wow. Yeah. Small club. Yes, it is. Now, he actually took like 14 shots one year, so he was up there. But yeah, they, it is a very small club, and obviously those guys didn't get close to reaching the minimums. If you put them all together, they didn't get close to reaching the minimums. But uh, Michael Potter's right there, and he would be the first guy to do it. I don't, like, in the NBA, it's like some big thing, obviously. Uh, I think there's nine guys in history that have done it in the NBA. But, yeah, I mean, that'd be insane. He's just been, he's been fantastic, obviously. 18 points, nine rebounds. Had a couple, the back-to-back threes that he hit when Rutgers got it down to 10 to push it back out to 16. Like, he, there were a bunch of big moments where he kind of silenced it. And he wasn't the only one. Brad Davison had a three that he kind of silenced uh, a little bit of the Rutgers comeback. They always had an answer, it felt like, for every Rutgers run. And they were not, you know, Rutgers got down to five, and then Demetri Trice comes back down and hits that really tough jumper uh, to put him back up seven. It was, they had an answer for everything, even if they didn't necessarily put Rutgers away like they should have. There were a few things that stood out to me, and I want to mention Brevin Pritzel because he was as aggressive as I think I've ever seen him. He made more two-point field goals than he had in a game in his career, yeah. and some of them I don't even know if you would make in a in horse. If you, I mean, he had a guy in his face, and he just floated one up, uh, and, and it switched into the net, so he was feeling it a little bit. But I think that's the type of player that they need, and yeah. they are still undefeated when he scores in double figures. 10-0 no, now. Yeah, and so, so I think... He's really coming into his own, and I know that Greg has sort of rotated who the starting lineup is based on matchups, but when Brevin plays plays like that, uh, it's awfully hard not to get him more minutes. It is. This is the type of aggressive Brevin Pritzel that fans want to see because I, 
It's the same thing going back to everything Greg Gard says. I, I, I'll tell him when to stop shooting. I haven't told him to stop yet. And that's when he's at his best is when he's being aggressive. And it, as I, I think I noted it yesterday, it was, yeah, he scored uh, 17 points, right? And it was, you know, two threes. Everything else, faking, getting inside, and, and finishing. And a lot of mid-range stuff, too. So, yeah, he was great. Brad Davison, 15 points, another three for five from, from three. He continues to be hot from outside. Demetri Trice didn't have like a, a huge scoring game. You know, he hit some free throws down the down stretch. I talked about the sh- shot he had. Kurhai, nine assists. And uh, the numbers he's putting up, just insane of late. Yeah, his point guard play the last seven games or so have been ridiculous. I think it might be 44 assists or something like that in the last seven games. And that's exactly what they need. And yet he is able to hit the big shots. We've seen him do it before, but I, I thought, as you said, that shot that he hit, he, he dribbled to his left, he got a pick, and then he was in the left corner and he pulled up and he buried a shot. Um, you know, that was huge. And I think what also stands out to me is that we've been talking about how well Aleem Ford has played, and he did not have his best game. He w- scored two points. He only the made one of six there. field goals. Yeah. But Wisconsin won anyway, and that is the strength of this team. It can be it can be a, a drawback about this team at times, but I think that's one of its greatest strengths is the guy who's been hot, doesn't play very well, and then you've got four other guys that score in double figures. Right, and I thought Aleem, Ron Harper got his at times, but I thought he at least provided a little bit of a, a slowdown for, for him there in the second half, forced a lot of stuff to be away from the basket. Like he, he wasn't getting... He got inside, but he was kind of forcing him tough shots once he got once he got in there. Uh, you mentioned Demetri Trice, the the assist. I had this sent to me on Twitter. Alex Schmidt he said uh, Demetri had one game with five or more assists in his first forty seven Big Ten games, eight in his last nine, eight games of at least five assists or more in his last nine conference games. He's taken it to a different level. It definitely seems like something just clicks, and when something's starting to click with all these guys collectively, that's why this team could potentially do something special. And then the other thing, another thing we haven't mentioned is they made 11 threes. It's four straight games, double-digit threes. Hasn't happened since 2009-10, which is ridiculous. It is. This is the team we thought the Badgers were capable of being, and now you can say it's not an anomaly. You know, you make the 18 threes against Nebraska, and you say, okay, let's see it again. But it's it's starting to happen repeatedly, and that leads me to believe that they can keep this up. The pessimist in everybody would say, yeah, three home games and at Nebraska. Yep. And I understand that perspective, too, and I think that is completely valid. Um, You know, they've won four straight games, and that's hard to do in the Big Ten, and yet they've also done it against, I don't know, I can't say it's inferior competition. Ohio Ohio State State just beat Maryland. They're in the top 25. Obviously, Nebraska is not very good. Purdue fighting for their life, but haven't necessarily been very good. And Rutgers is horrible away from home. But right. those are all those are wins. And just yep. like Wisconsin has to go on the road for ten games, teams have to go on the road for ten games. And it just so happens Wisconsin's schedule has been backloaded with with the home games, and as opposed to earlier in the year. But I, again, I think the the key is the fact that they are starting to shoot the ball well, and the two guys that shot the ball so well at the beginning of last year, and then fa- and then tailed off are getting hot right now, and, and Demetri Trice and uh, Brad Davison. Those two were very, very bad at the end of last year, shooting-wise, and it's honestly flipped. And I, I remember talking about it with somebody, I think, early in the year when they were shooting like 29 or 30% from three, and someone's like, well, what's what's the deal there? And I'm like, well, we know they can shoot. They showed it for almost, they showed it all the way up until late January, early February of last year. We know they can shoot. You just have to hope that it flips this time. And instead of being great in the beginning, and horrible at the end, you have to be horrible at the beginning 
and bet great at the end, uh, great at the end. And right now, that's what they are. So I'm. At, that's got to be feeling good. They're both at thirty six percent now. Yeah. You have to like the way it seems to be coming together right now. And I know they've got four regular season games remaining. I feel like they'll go two and two or three and one down the stretch. The, two two. The, the home games, to me, the, the Minnesota game is going to be a big deal to them because they really laid an egg when they went there. Yeah. And they, it's a revenge they, tour. They have to play. Yeah. They're, they're, it's like the Michigan football revenge tour. But the, at Michigan, even though the Wolverines have struggled, I think that's going to be tough. In Indiana, what the Hoosiers just did, and you talked about Purdue fighting for its life. I mean, the same thing is true with Indiana and Archie yeah. Miller, and that's going to be the regular season finale. But Northwestern Minnesota sandwich between those two and two or three and one, and even at two and two, Wisconsin would finish twelve and eight in the Big Ten. I have to imagine pretty much every Badgers fan would have taken that record at the start of this season. Definitely, definitely. As we talked about last week, you know, is nineteen and twelve a good look? Yeah. It is what it is, but it's but twelve and eight in the Big Ten, especially as good as everyone believes it to be this year. Yeah, for sure. And the funny thing is, is the latest bracketology from Joe Lenardi, they went down a seed. They went, they've won four straight. They were sitting at a seven seed the last time he did it, or last time he put it out. And I think Texas Tech jumped up to the seven and pushed them back down. But either way, two and two probably gets them an eight or nine. You know, an eight or nine. That's kind of what we've been expecting for the past month or so. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how much the Big Ten tournament would significantly impact seeding unless they got to Sunday. Got to Sunday, and even then, as we've seen, they play that game so late. Well, right, but I'm they, saying getting to Sunday. Yeah, like not the game itself, not winning the Big Ten, but getting to Sunday. It might bump you up a seed line. I, I, I don't envision them getting to Sunday, but you, you know, I mean, you never know in this conference where it feels like any game, any team could beat any other. But where's your trust level in them still going on the road and doing what they've done here these last four games? I think it goes back to show me consistently this and thursday is that big opportunity against michigan to show that the last four games have not been an anomaly and they've they have figured it out shooting wise because before that they went they were at minnesota and they were horrible i would say that the idea that they they won't make it to the the last day of the big 10 tournament they're still obviously a couple weeks to go in the regular season if the season ended today which we love to do and btn uh put out their their chart here in that scenario Wisconsin would be the three seed, which would mean they'd get the double bye. They'd start in the quarterfinals, and they'd play against Penn State, which is a two seed, and they've already beaten the Nittany Lions. So you know, just you, throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah. You know what's funny about that, though? It's There's currently a four-way tie in for, for second in the Big Ten. If Illinois wins tonight, it becomes a five-way tie. I don't know if you saw this. Five-way tie, and at that point, Wisconsin's the five seed. That's how close it is. It's, every single game because is the tiebreakers. Yeah. When you throw Illinois into the mix because they beat Wisconsin, their record all of a sudden shifts below Iowa and shifts below um, uh, Michigan State. So, either way, uh, it's a muddled mess. It is. It is. The only I think you know I, for me the, in my mind the only goal for the past month has been to avoid having to play on that Wednesday. You know what I mean? And right now they're not going to play on that Wednesday. You know the, those the four worst teams. Having to play on that Wednesday, you don't want to play. You don't want to do that. So they're in a good spot to avoid that. Though again, there are just two games between second and tenth place. So you have to go two and two. You can't go any worse than two and two. Yeah, I'd say that's accurate. Yeah, and even if they go two and two, there's probably still going to be some tiebreaker that that needs to happen here. Right. Well, the thing is, you need you need Illinois to to flop out of that thing, and you can't end up being tied with the same record and nobody else tied with uh with Iowa. Those are the two ones that you don't want want in the mix. The other the other teams, Penn State, Maryland, Michigan State, okay, you know, doesn't really matter. But and Ohio State for that matter. But Michigan's obviously on there and they only get Michigan once. So 
you lose on Thursday, you lo- you would lose that tiebreaker as well. So there's there's a lot of things a- a- in play here going down the stretch and two and two. I still think is just fine, and you would like the double buy, but it's I I don't think it's likely. I'll say that. All right, uh, getting to a little bit of sold or not sold here. As we talked about just a minute ago, Wisconsin will earn a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> I, I know I laid out the path to doing so. Oh, man. I think that I'm not sold just because of all the, the tiebreakers. It's insane. And we, we talked about it before. Like before, when Maryland and Penn State were in first and second, Wisconsin had the tiebreakers of those teams, but there was a possibility the Badgers wouldn't catch them. And so when it was a five-way tie for third, they really didn't have the tiebreaker against any of those teams. I don't know. I don't think they're going to wind up in the top four, but I will say that if they do, even if it's through a series of crazy tiebreakers, it would be one of the more impressive accomplishments we've seen considering they've only not been in the top four once in the last, what, 17 years or something Dating back to 2001, 2002. 19 years? 2001, 2002. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But this would be among the more impressive ones, I think, during that stretch. Right, but like even if you are in a tie for fourth, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the double buy. Correct. That's uh, true. And there have been there were plenty of times in that stretch where they were fourth, but they didn't get a double buy, or they didn't they weren't one of the top four seeds because of tiebreakers. But still, hey, still still works. Kind of like uh, if you you get a share of the title, right? No one talks about who you shared it with, and it's just a Big Ten title, two thousand two title, and two thousand three title. They're up there on the thing the same way. It doesn't say one was shared and the other one wasn't. Wisconsin would be a top 15 team in the country if Micah Potter played the first 10 games. Sold or not sold? Wow. Well, they've been, they haven't been a top 25 team. At all. So I'm not sold, but they would be a top 25 team. <laughs> <laughs> well, that maybe would, that's not really going out of limb, but, but maybe that's top why, 20 team? Yeah, yeah that's, well, that's why I made it top 15, because they certainly would be at some, had some point be in the top 25. But they, were, they, they had won, they've won four straight, and I bet you they're still only in the receiving votes category. Mm-hmm. today when when the poll is released we're doing this at 10 o'clock and the poll will be released i'm sure before i even put this out but they're, they're not going to be ranked no and they've got five losses with micah so they've, they're a better team 12 and 11 and 5 with him yeah, 12 so, yeah, and 5 something like that but i think yeah they they would clearly be a nationally ranked team they've played well enough here but they were what were they five and five at one point they played 17 games with him so they're 12 and five with him yeah but no what i'm saying is i think they win the saint mary's game i think they I think they're better against New, uh, against Richmond and New Mexico. So add those three wins in there, and you're sitting at um, twenty and seven. That's probably with with the way the Big Ten is viewed. Maybe I don't know, and maybe they don't lose the first Rutgers game either. Yeah, it's a possibility. There, there's no denying that they're a better team with Michael Potter in the lineup. Everything that he provides yeah. and his point per minute average is like ridiculous. The fact that he can get seventeen points and. 18 minutes. He had 18. No, it was 18 points in 17 18 minutes. points in 17 minutes. Even yeah, better. Yeah. That should, be a new, that should be a new metric. We can call it like the Potter rule. The Potter rule. Yes. Uh, moving on. Demetri Trice will shoot better than 36% from three. Something that we've, we've talked about. We talked about earlier in the year because that was kind of where he finished. I think he finished at 36.3 last year. And he's currently at 36.9. For a long time, he was not, nowhere close to that. So but, he's, but since, as I said last week, since uh, that Michigan State game, he's, he's over 40%. So he's at 36.9, and you're asking if I think he'll finish the season above 36? Yeah. Yes, I think that will happen. 36.0. Because you didn't the last, I mean, last time you didn't. When did we take that poll? Was it's that before he went 5 for 6 against Nebraska? It's been a while. 
It's been a while. Um, no, he's been he's been great. But no, the, the 36 is where he was last year. And I, I think the, the earlier question was, Solar not sold, he'll shoot better from three la- this year than he did last year. Right now he is. So is Brad Davison, by the way, who's at 36.0, which is actually second on the team. I, if you don't count Potter, he's se- it's second on the team behind Pretzel, who's at 37%. I actually did not know this until I was looking up the minimums the other day, uh, yesterday, I should say. Brevin Pretzel has the highest shooting percentage for a season in Big Ten games only last year. Was the best uh, Badgers ever shot in a Big Ten season. That's incredible. Yeah. Get that guy more shots. Yeah. Sold or not sold, Micah Potter will be the first Badgers rotation player to be in the 50-40-90 club that we talked about in the first segment. So throw out the minimums. Does he does he get it just straight up right now? Would you like to know his actual totals? I'm looking at him, and this is tough because the numbers are so small that a handful of misses would ruin this projection. Well, he went from 40%. He, because of yesterday, he went from forty shooting right around 40% to... 45.7% from three because of that four for five performance. So he could have another, I guess. But I don't think he's ever going to get a... Sh- he's never... Like, if he's shooting poorly, I don't think you're going to see him take, like, five or six threes. If he misses five in a row, he'd be at 40%. Yeah. What the heck? I'm sold. Yeah, all right. Let's 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 see it happen. Let's see it happen. He's hot fire right now. He is. Uh, hot fire? As hot po- fire. As opposed to straight fire? Hot fire, is there a different... Is there a cold fire that I don't know about? There probably could be. I'm sure it's ironic. <laughs> Um, sold or not sold, Wisconsin will be a better team next year than this season. I am sold. They will lose Brevin Pritzel, and they will get everybody else back with an influx of five freshmen, and I think Johnny Davis is going to be an immediate contributor, potentially somebody else, maybe Lauren Bowman. We'll see. Brevin's done a lot of good things, and maybe we'll realize exactly what it was that he contributed when he's gone. He's been much more than a shooter. Yes, Absolutely. The rebounds that he's been able to get, the defense that he plays, but I think they're going to be a better team next season. And that's no disrespect to Brevin. It's more about who they have coming back and the talent they've got coming in. Right now, everyone's coming back. Well, yes, in this scenario. I'm telling you, I, I think that the transfer rule, and I'm not saying I have, I'm not saying anybody's going to transfer, but I'm saying that transfer rule, we don't know what kind of impact that will have. Because it's very possible that if you can all of a sudden go on and not have to sit anywhere you may end up going somewhere. I mean, it could be, this could turn into free agency pretty quickly. Um, college basketball free agency, even more so than it already is. I think there were over 800, 900 transfers last year, and that was with guys usually having to sit out. It could be, that number could be huge next year. I'm not saying, again, not saying anybody from Wisconsin is transferring, but you don't know what the impact of this rule is going to be, not just on Wisconsin, but everywhere. If they do have the same team, minus Brevin, you think they'll be a better team next year than they are this year? Yes, I do too. Yeah. And you get those 10 games with a Micah Potter in the lineup. Right. Yeah. No, you definitely do. And I don't know how good the rest of the Big Ten is going to be. We'll see. Obviously, uh, Michigan State's going to get uh, Joey Hauser. But Wisconsin recruiting class is up there with you know anybody right now in the Big Ten. So we'll see. All right. Time to welcome in a special guest. It is former Badger Brian Butch. Brian, how's it going? I'm doing well, doing well, doing much better after uh, yesterday's game. Yeah, Wisconsin took care of business against Rutgers, 79-71. We'll get to that in a minute, but I wanted to ask you first off, off the top, there's something I've been wanting to ask you. We do the basketball roundtable together as well, but I haven't had a chance to ask it. Uh, But as we get to tournament time here, I'm wondering in your mind, if you had not gotten hurt against Ohio State, would Bo Ryan have three Final Four appearances instead of two? 
I'll uh, I'll, I'll let Coach Ryan answer that question a whole bunch. I think we had a pretty good team. I, I know Coach has said it a couple of times. He thought that probably was a Final Four team. Obviously, you, you need to have the seedings right. You need to have the matchups right. Uh, I thought we had a really, really good team that year. Um, obviously, we were number one in the country. You know, the two Final Four teams that, that made it uh, didn't even get that. So I thought we were. I thought we had the possibility of doing it. Um, I thought matchup-wise, it was one of those that I liked. Uh, we played UNLV in the second round, would have played Oregon. and It, it, was, it was really a, a nice set. The first two rounds were in Chicago. Then we would have been in St. Louis, and so it's a that's always a what if game. Um, but everything happens for a reason, and you move on. How close were you to playing in the UNLV game? I was ready. Um, <laughs> I couldn't shoot the ball that that much. I still be honest. I told Coach this a couple years a couple years ago. It was it was a little disappointing. He didn't put me in there. If anything, just to to get the crowd excited. Yeah. Um, and for spacing, you know, it's one of those things where. Uh, that team was really good. Tuck was really, really good in the post. And if we could have spaced the floor a little bit and gave him some more room to work, I think that is what made us really good. Is you had a stretch big in myself. You had a guy in Alonzo Tucker that was really good in the post with mismatches. And I thought that's what made us really unique on the offensive end. You mentioned Alonzo Tucker. So there were you were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was a regional cover, and it was him peeking out behind you. Did you guys make fun of each other at all? Was you, did you get made fun of at all in the locker room for, for that a little bit? No, not at all, because <laughs> when Sports Illustrated came in and explained it all, it was the year of the big. So it was one of those where they were playing off of the big. and So there, like you said, it was the regional. And I'm forgetting right now who else was on it, but every, every regional was the exact same. Yeah. So it was kind of fun how it was played out and what they, how they you know, made it work. And um, Yeah, no, they, they all thought it was pretty cool. Um, and it's been fun. It's been fun. I still get a bunch of those sent to the house and um, sign them and send them wherever they go. Who had the better Sports Illustrated cover? You or you and him or Frank Kaminsky? With uh, the that's tank? a good question, right? Like that's a really good question. I probably have to give it to Frank. Yeah, he got the better results than what we got. Well, no, so I mean, you got I'm a I'm a big results guy. <laughs> it's a tank, man. Like it's it it just works so perfect. Him standing in front it's of a tank. Good. It's yeah, it's pretty good. We'll get back to. This year's team. Now, they took care of Rutgers 79-71, and you mentioned spreading the floor, uh, kind of like you wish you could have done in that tournament uh, in 2007. Micah Potter spreading the floor yesterday with uh, going 4-5 from 3. He didn't have any points against Purdue, comes back, has a team-high 18. How impressed have you been with what he's been able to, to give them, and how much more difficult are they as a team than when they didn't have him? Yeah, well, let's start there with the last one. Obviously, if if, if Micah plays in the ten games he misses, they're not five and five. I'll tell you that right now, <laughs> and they're probably in the top twenty-five. You know, sitting at the top, you know, fifteen in the country, and it changes the dialogue of where they're seeding. And that's why I think, for me, on my end, I'm so frustrated with that that handful of games because it changes what could have been. Um, but what he's brought is he's brought rebounding, he's brought intensity. Obviously, you know, we talk about what he's done as far as shooting the basketball, but I've really enjoyed, you know, the rebounding part of it. But I think what gets forgotten here a little bit as well is he's able to give, give Nate Reavers a, a breath. He's able to give him some time so that he's not playing 35-plus minutes. I don't care who you are. It's really, really tough to play 35-plus minutes. And we saw Nate get wore down a little bit, I thought, during the, that 10-game stretch that Micah was not, you know, eligible. So I think you're seeing – that part be the be the big thing. Obviously, what he's doing on the floor, but uh, overall rotation wise, what he's been able to do, and then obviously 
you know, you see Kobe King leave the program. You know, there's been more minutes available, so you've seen those two together on the floor a little bit. And more importantly, I think, like we talked about it, it's those things, but the timing of the threes um, against Rutgers were really, really important. And, um, you know, sometimes you're going to have guys step up. And with this Badger team last couple of last couple of games, uh, it's been a numerous uh, a number of guys step up. Brian, you touched on the fact that Michael Potter missed the first 10 games. This team has been through an awful lot this season, and yet the Badgers are 17-10 and 10 overall right now and 10-6 and 6 in the Big Ten and in a multi-team tie for second in the league. How surprised are you that Wisconsin is where it is right now, given everything that's happened throughout the season to the Badgers? Well, I could sit here and say I'm not surprised, but it would be a complete lie. <laughs> uh, I mean, what this group has done with all the adversities starting in May, and continue to, to have adversity. Most teams don't have this much adversity. That's why I'm uh, really impressed with the group uh, of kids that they have in that locker room. Uh, they've got a bunch of guys that want to play for each other, that want to be for each other. I think what Greg Gard and staff has done has been absolutely remarkable. I really do. Uh, to, to keep kids that are 18 to 22 years old locked in on what the end goal is and keep them locked in on on just what's in their house, right? Not the outside noise. You stay within your four walls. And to keep them to do that, to realize that, hey, okay, these four walls, we take care of this, this, and this, we're going to win games, has been remarkable. It really has. I think it's probably been Coach Guard's best coaching job. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to the kids to just stay dialed in. Because at that age, you can really uh, start to listen to a lot of the outside noise. Uh, and they haven't. They've just stayed you know, status quo with everything that they've done. And I think the biggest statement uh, yesterday, more than anything, was uh, Nate Reaver's shirt. I think that explains <laughs> how that locker room feels about Coach Guard. For anybody that missed his shirt, it was the John Rothstein, Greg Guard, silent assassin shirt that cost 30 bucks, and Nate bought one, and uh, Brad Davison apparently had one on the way. Micah Potter has one on the way. All the managers have them. Uh, Greg Guard kind of joked that he hopes nobody – gets in trouble while wearing that shirt and gets his picture taken while uh, while wearing that shirt and doing something bad. But, uh, yeah, considering what came out about when, when Kobe King left and some of his issues with Greg Gard, I think that speaks volumes, does it not? For sure. For sure. I think that is the loudest statement that any player needs to say. Uh, they're not going to do that if they don't respect and really value what Coach Gard is about. And, and as a person, right, to remove the basketball side of it. I think, you know, Kobe Keek said some things about, you know, he didn't get along with Coach Guard. We all know Greg Guard can coach. What Kobe King said was a little bit more of uh, personal type yep. stuff. And this group says you don't do that if you don't like them. You know what I mean? Like, so that's the biggest statement that this group has made. Um, they've made it with their play, but then be able to, you know, go out there and throw that shirt on and just say it with a very, very nice nonverbal, Hey, we, we support our guy, and he's our guy. It's a, it's a really, really good look for those kids, and uh, you know where that locker room stands. On the court, where has this team improved the most to you in the absence of Kobe King? Yeah, it's a great question. I think when you look at what this team has done, I think it starts with Demetri Trice. I think his ability to get the ball to playmakers, and him not always having to be a playmaker. I love what Demetri Trice has done recently because – for a while there, the ball stuck. And when I mean it's stuck, you know, he comes off a ball screen and he pounds it four or five different times versus a quick swing. Or he now is dribbling, getting to the paint and kicking out. Before he comes off that ball screen and around the three-point perimeter, he's dribbling it four times 
Anytime you do that, you allow the defense to set up. And I think we saw that a little bit. I think Demetrius tries is realizing now, hey, I'm going to be the kind of floor general. I'm going to get everyone else involved. When it's time for me to get involved, I'll get involved. But knowing that, I think that's been the biggest evolution of where this team has grown. I think it's been Demetri Trice. I think Aleem Ford has stepped up at times and realized, hey, this is now my time to, to be the guy. Um, but I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've seen. Obviously, defensively, we know what they're about. Turnover-wise, we know what they're about. But I think it's been the leadership of, of Demetri Trice. Can talk with Brian Butch, former Badger, here on the swing. Uh, he also covers a, a lot of Big Ten for the Big Ten Network as well. And I wanted to ask you about the Big Ten. As Jesse mentioned, there was there's a you got Maryland, and then you got four teams in a tie for second, and then you have a, you know probably going to be five after Illinois beats Nebraska tonight. So you have a five way tie for second. Is Maryland still the best team? Are they still everyone the team that everyone else is chasing outside of the standings? Obviously, that's everyone's chasing them. But are they still the the best team in your mind even after the Ohio State game yesterday? Yeah, I think they are now. I'll say that, and they, they play at Minnesota and watch them lose at Minnesota, and then they play Michigan State at home and watch them Michigan State beat them, and then all of a sudden this gets real old real quick. Yeah, um, but I do think I do think that they probably are. Uh, they've got point guard play in Anthony Cowan and what he can do. Uh, you were able to see it against Michigan State. He scores the last eleven points in that game to, to seal that one in East Lansing. He's got Sticks and, and Jalen Smith, and we know what he's able to do, stretch the floor, score in the post, be a rim protector. So all of those things he can do, they check the box. And their surrounding cast is really good. Got a couple of great athletes, some shooters. So I do think that they have the, probably the ability to make the biggest run. That being said, I'll say this. Anthony Cowan hasn't always been consistent. You know, sometimes he's really, really good. Sometimes he's a no-show. And I think – that's where the question will be, and it has probably been from Maryland fans, what are you going to get out and get from him on a consistent basis? Uh, I'll, I'll say this, Badger fans, though. you They've got two hard games coming up, and if you win at you know Michigan here, which is a huge game, if you win that, you've got Minnesota coming up, you've got Northwestern coming up, and then you've got a tough one in Bloomington. You're putting yourself, you have a chance, and that's that's fun. That's fun to know that you have a chance for a Big Ten championship. There are 10 Big Ten teams currently projected to go to the NCAA tournament. I don't know that there's a single great team in this league, but it's awfully deep. Do you think what Wisconsin has done this season in Big Ten play is is maybe even more impressive given the depth of the league? Yes, I have not seen the league ever like this. Not like this. Not where you you can't take a night off. Even against Nebraska a couple weeks back, that Wisconsin team could not take a night off. They're decent. Um, Northwestern's decent. You know, I know they're at the bottom of the pack, but you can't. There's not a night where you can breathe. And when I had a chance to, you know, play, obviously there was a couple of nights that if we we could take a chance to breathe, we we didn't have to play 100 percent win. This group right now, if they don't play well, they're going to lose. And, ex- and and play well even in chunks of time. You look at the Iowa game that they, um, you know, lost towards the end. They played well for a great amount of that game but there was just enough that they didn't play well for, got away from what they normally do, and they end up on the wrong side of it. So I think big picture-wise, what they've done, especially in Big Ten play, rallied, played the right way, won. This is a huge, huge uh, program kind of season for this for this Wisconsin basketball program because it, it puts it in stone. This is the way we do things to have success, and yes, we can still have success doing it our way. You mentioned about taking a, a night off, getting a breath. Uh, is that what happened against North Dakota in 2006? 
Zach, what are you bringing up that for? What? Hold on here. Hold on here. I, I'm just I asking. I just the wound. That wound it almost healed. No, I almost had that thing healed. I'll be honest. North Dakota exactly State. Excuse me. Yeah, North Dakota State. That's exactly what happened. Um, you know, we that was obviously sophomore year. We had some guys uh, that were academically ineligible. Middle of the Big Ten season, eleven o'clock tip. Between me and you, none of us because you know. None of us wanted to be there. It was bye week, and there's a reason that Bo never scheduled another uh, bye week game yeah. ever again in his tenure. It, uh, you learn one time, and well, we learned, that was for sure. You shot 22% from the field that game. Alondo Tucker was 2 of 18. Cam Taylor, 6 of 24. Brian Butch, 1 for 4. Yeah, well, that's uh, thank you. That's all I can uh, yep. Thank you. All right, I, I'm here I, for I, it. I I'm here four for shots? Come on, are you are you kidding me, Cam? <laughs> Pass the ball, Cam. Cam, twenty four shots. Thank you. Yeah, there, there was, I can uh, tell you one thing. I, I'll say this: that film session, that next day, I knew I was kind of somewhat in the clear. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, but before I knew, there, I knew it was going to be directed in a different direction than me. Yes, let's put it that way. Yeah, but before I let you go, I want to ask Jesse was talking about the depth of the conference. Gun to your head, who makes the deepest run? Is there is there a Final Four team in in the conference? Gosh, I, you know, you put that gun in my head, kind of, because otherwise I'm going to say, listen, we're going to find out how good this conference really is in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Because we will. Like, I mean, we're going to have the answers. We, you know, I get a chance to talk about it once a week on Big Ten Network, get a chance to see the games. I get a chance to see it and be courtside to this. I'm going to have Indiana and Minnesota in a couple of weeks, and that'll be a good one. We'll get our answers. I think the team that makes the deepest run right now, I've got to go with Maryland. I really do. I think they've got, you know, and I know I said, Colin, you don't know exactly what you're going to get, but there's a guy that, you know, is a really good point guard. you got, you know, Jalen Smith that's really good. Defensively, they're, they're pretty good. So I'm going to go with that because I think they can win in different ways. I think they've got playmakers not only at the point guard position but at the, in the post. In tournament play, you're going to have to play a couple of different styles, a couple of different ways. Matchup-wise, it's going to determine at least Malin can kind of handle that both ways. I will say this, though. I do like what Illinois offers. Uh, Io DeSumo is a guy that is a bucket getter in crunch time. And in tournament time, that's what you want. You have that. And I know Penn State struggled of late, um, but Lamar Stevens is, a, is an absolute dude as well. Um, so, I mean, those teams are, are, you know, should be on the radar. But if I had to pick one, I'll go with Maryland. All right. I lied. One more question for you. Wisconsin, do they get a double bye? Do they get a double by? I love that. Can I answer that after Thursday? No, you cannot, sir. Okay, no. all right. I'm just trying. Yeah, I got to negotiate a little bit. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to make it put, work. Put, putting you on um, the spot. I do think they do. Okay. I think they go into Michigan and they win. Oh, uh, hello. Team, yeah, yeah, I do. I think they go into Michigan and win, which is a really good team. Isaiah Livers has been playing out of this world. Yeah. Uh, what, what he's brought and Xavier Simpson's back to distributing the basketball. And not uh, driving cars. <laughs> And not driving yeah. cars around? And yeah. not driving the AD's car, exactly. <laughs> uh, that'll get you every time, by the way, kid. Don't yes. do that. No. Um, that's, that's part of the handbook. I guess that's uh, one that wasn't in one at Wisconsin. might be added after this year. Did you, but, did, um, did you ever... Don't drive Barry's car. I was going to say, did you ever get close to Barry's car at any point? No. Yeah. No, no, no. We stayed far, far away from that one. That wasn't one of those that was offered up a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I think when you look at what this team does, I think they get a, a quality, quality win, and it's, a, again, a statement win. Um, and then they've got two that are Minnesota and uh, Northwestern. So I think they're sitting really, really wide, well. And um, I, I do think they get a double by. I think there's, when you, then when you look at who's in that group um, of, at second place right now, they've got some other tough games. Really the toughest game left on the schedule is going to be at Michigan, at Indiana, 
those other two, Minnesota, and I know Minnesota beat Wisconsin, but Minnesota Northwestern home, those are games that you should win. You're sitting pretty good here. Yeah. For sure. They go 2-2, two and 12-8. Two, and eight. No, one, no one saw that uh, earlier this year, and I think most fans would take that easily, as we've talked about here on the show. Brian, uh, thank you very much. All right, guys. Thanks so much. All right, time to get into our Twitter questions. Uh, we'll start with Kira. She says, is it just me, or has Demetri Trice played his best comprehensive season so far, and it's gone mostly unnoticed? I think it's starting to go noticed. I, I <laughs> Definitely the last seven games or so with his ability to distribute. It's not necessarily always a shooting, but when you're the point guard, you need to get other guys involved, and he's doing it at a clip that we have not seen in his career. So most comprehensive? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Even I, though he was shooting 60% from three a portion of the way through last season, when you look at the what we like to say overall body of work, he's getting better the older he gets. He's averaging fewer points than last year. But his assist to turnover ratio, especially in the last I think nine games, like three point seven one, which is off the charts for a Wisconsin uh, point guard, because you don't Wisconsin point guards normally do not have a ton of assists. That's kind of just not how it works. Bo always wanted a, the the hockey assist to be a part of it because the feed into the post, you know, didn't always get you didn't always get the assist on it. Uh, Chris asks the offensive pace seems to be gradually increasing lately. Is this a shift of scheme or philosophy or scheme philosophy? They're making shots. I think I, I don't. The pace to me is not different. If they've got an advantage in a potential fast break situation, they they will try to take advantage of that. But it's about making shots. I mean, go back to the teams that went to the Final Four. They were the most efficient team we've ever seen. That means they made more shots. It's not like they're suddenly playing up tempo. So no, to me at least, there's no drastic alteration in scheme. South Jersey Pete asks, uh, have you noticed that Walt McGroy looks like Brooks Bollinger? Any relation? I think I'm going to need a split screen here. I, I, I'm not aware of any relationship. I don't think... He, maybe... I don't, I don't know. It, it's, tough to, it's tough to see it. Uh, I'll be honest. Um, when you look at the two. Um, now, I mean, maybe back in the day? I don't know. Is that, what, is that what we're thinking here? I'm having a tough time seeing it. Yeah, but we, I appreciate you going out on a limb and throwing that one out there. I'm uh, Hey. Yeah. Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Maybe a little? Here. That's him in... There, there's Brooks in... As a Viking. And mm. then Walt. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. This is the hard-hitting stuff that people come here for. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. A little bit. Um, You know who... And maybe... You know who... They look a little bit similar. Maybe it's just because they're both wearing number five. Graham Mertz and Tyler Wall. Wow. A little bit. A little bit. Breaking see it a little news bit. here on the swing. No, no, I can see it a little bit. Maybe and it's like similar hair. Like it just, it, it, again, I may be just putting the, they both wear number five together and it just, it kind of works. But either way, we're not going to be doing lookalikes uh, for the rest of the show here. Bix asks, uh, if you can pick anywhere from a seven to 11 seed for the Badgers, which would you pick? Which do I? <laughs> which would be the best? Which would be the best? The best scenario? Yeah. Oh, a seven? I mean, well, if you're an 11, then what you would play a five. you would get the three seed. Well, yeah, right, you no, you get the you would get the the six seed, It'd be a, a six seed, yeah, 11, and then six. you would likely get a three seed in the second round. Hmm, I'd still say seven. Instead I don't of, think instead of getting a two or one in the second round. Right, I think you want to. Well, if you're seven, you do get a two in the second round. But, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like instead of instead of getting a three seed, you would get a two or a one. Right, if you're a seven or eight or nine. I just I. When the NCAA tournament starts, I hope, because it's so much fun, 
that it's going to be wide open and there's going to be all sorts of crazy upsets because I really don't think there are any great teams this season. Right, there has Every, to be. Everyone, for the most part, is is beatable. There has to be some amazing upsets. Like This is the type of tournament you like. Now, obviously, for college basketball, they need stars. I mean, there are a lot of people that only care about basketball, college basketball in March, certainly. There's no Zion you know, there's no, there's nothing like that to point to. You don't have that guy this year. Uh, there's no John Morant sitting out there. And uh, I mean, I who's player of the year? I mean, it very well could be Marcus Howard. You know what I mean? Like in the yeah. in the country, like that. That's fine, but that's not Zion Williamson or uh, John Morant or any of those guys. And if you go through the two seeds, at least as it would stand now, Dayton, Maryland, Wisconsin already played Maryland, already won that game. Duke and Florida State. Duke just lost on the road at least, by 22 points to North Carolina State. Yeah. So I think all these teams are beatable. I think uh, as long as, to me, as long as they avoid a one seed in the second round. Um, but if Wisconsin wins the first game, I mean, it's not like they're going to go into that matchup and be playing a team that is impossible. They've beaten plenty of teams. They've got as many quadrant one wins as pretty much any team in the country. I'm just saying, best case scenario, I think you would prefer to avoid a one seed in the second round. For sure. But like those one seeds could be San Diego State, could be... Gonzaga. Taylor could be Gonzaga could be and I, I think maybe it's Dayton I think is a two probably right right now at least but the thing about it is I'd rather face any of those one seeds than Duke just the way it is I mean I Duke because you know where that Duke game is going to be it's gonna be in Greensboro and as it's an as unfair of an advantage North Carolina Virginia North Carolina eh, not North Carolina State but Duke they all it seems like there's a, a first or second round site in those in that state every single year and it's it's an unfair advantage 2014 wisconsin in milwaukee huge unfair advantage for for the badgers but that was once like the the time before it had been in milwaukee had been quite some time since then like it's not i'm not going to get into a rant here or i'm already there either way duke should as a two seed playing in greensboro it's a little unfair a little unfair but uh, obiscus asks uh is, is there a reason the ncda's have not been back to madison since 2003 well, generally, they don't host them on campus. So they do in women's basketball, if I'm not mistaken, or at least they they did. Well, I guess I guess they host them. I don't think that ma- I don't think that matters. Not Wisconsin being involved, just in general. Is that the question? Right. Yeah. No. That's yeah. That's the that's the question. 2003, they had the first and second round. They had, actually, they had not even they had the regional side, regional final side because can Kansas. Kansas won won it, and Roy Williams just was killed. I feel now, like generally they're not in college towns, though. They're in like bigger cities. I don't know. I, I can't say some of these are huge cities, but you know, you look at the, the the sites now, like Omaha, Cleveland, Albany, Greensboro, Spokane, St. Louis, Tampa, Sacramento. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know why. I don't know. I don't. I just. I wouldn't see them putting it in Madison in the foreseeable future. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's an arena thing. That's true, because they'll have it at a place, and it'll be hosted by a certain university, but that university isn't allowed to be there. Right. How far will these throwbacks take this team? Into March. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't seem like they're... Maybe that's why you want to be a 7 or an 8 seed. Maybe. It doesn't seem like they're going to stop wearing... I think as long as they win in them, they're just going to keep wearing them. There's no way they're taking them off. The first time they lose, though, you might reconsider. There's no way they're taking them off. Uh, Unless they have some kind of a special March uniform coming, which I don't think they do, I think they wear those until they, they... Either they're the lower seed or or they lose. I said last week that they shouldn't wear them every game because then it would be more special. But I guess if you're going to wear them and you keep winning, then you have no reason to stop. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. And they'll uh, not wear them when they go to Michigan on Thursday. I'm kind of surprised Brian Brian took them. 
What really do you, what, went out on a limb there. What do you think? I'm taking Michigan. I'm Livers has been so good since he come since he came back. There's they're they're that, he's like they're Micah Potter. Like he they, he's just been a difference maker since he came back. Make me trust you, yeah. Wisconsin basketball right. team. If you go if you go on the road and you beat a Michigan team that's starting to play some better basketball and win your fifth straight game, then I think we got we got something pretty special potentially cooking. Yeah, for sure. We'll see how it plays out. Then they get Minnesota at home. That's a revenge game on Sunday, right? Uh, uh, they've, they're they 3-0 in red revenge games. They've taken care of Michigan State, Purdue, and Rutgers. They'll try and take care of Minnesota on Sunday. And uh, we'll see. We'll be back next week. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. You've been listening to The Swing here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.